Give me the green light. Give me just one night. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go right now. I'm ready to go. Welcome, everybody, to episode 92 of the Greenlight Podcast. A lot has happened in the last couple of weeks. Uh, turns out moving to Columbus when Coach K's farewell tour comes to town, actually not a fucking good idea. Not great. Wasn't good for me. Had no fun. Zero fun, I, sir. I really wish we had recorded this like that night. I wish I could have gotten like, more of like a raw reaction. I, dude, listen to me. Listen, I do not bet. I'm not a better. I don't really get involved in it. I I understand, I would say, 75% of everything that goes on in the betting world. I bet that night. I thought that was Did the most... Really? That, I thought that was the most... District, I, it made no sense. And then this the is going to be our first topic, how wrong Vegas has been so far this year. It's kind of been insane. But What was I the was, line for that game? It was... Three and uh, a half. Duke, minus three and a half. It was Duke and I was minus like, three and a half? Yes. And I was like, dude, there's no... First of all... No way. I mean, that makes no sense. Duke's going to win by nine or 10. Like I've seen this story and then literally. So look, we'll get into the game a little bit later, but they were up like 11 or 15 um, headed into the half. I can't remember. And I literally was sitting there with Catherine's cousin and he's like, oh, are you super confident? I was like, this is how the second half's going to go. Duke's going to come out. They're going to play well early. Uh, Ohio State's going to make a massive run around like the 11, 10 minute mark. Maybe it gets down to seven minutes. Duke's going to be up like four or five, and then Duke will get back up 15 and put it away. That story was spot on until about four minutes, four and a half minutes when Duke decided we don't know how to score anymore. We're just not going to put the ball in the basket. Like, the I, what, dude? But that story was spot the fuck on. It was just, oh, yeah, okay. Like, Duke came out, they were all right. Lead was like, yeah. 10, 11, hovered for the first 10 minutes. It was there. Like, Ohio State made a little run. Duke countered. Duke made a little run. Ohio State countered. And then it got to seven and then six and then five and then four and then three. And then Ohio State went up and then it was over. I mean, it was just like it happened like like a ton of bricks. It was insane. It definitely did. What? I And not to Pile bring on, up like ghosts it. here, whatever, but. And, and obviously, two of these are wins. I saw it in a sense. And we talked about this in the last pod. I, I think, one, Duke's three-point shooting has been lackluster. Um, I'm pretty sure they are I, – I read that, and I, I, I say don't quote me as we're literally talking or on an audio podcast recording what we're saying. Um, I'm pretty sure I read it said they're shooting 35% from three or 33%, something like that, in the 30s. But against the three quality opponents they played – Kentucky, Gonzaga, even in the Gonzaga game that they won and Ohio State, they're shooting like 23% from three as a Yeah, team they didn't shoot it well. Teams. They didn't shoot it well against Kentucky. I mean, that was the crazy part that we were talking about. Like, I yeah. think they made two or three threes. They were like three of 13 or something like that. And you know what? Trevor Keels has kind of come back down to earth a little bit. Um, he Definitely. was unbelievable against Kentucky. He's come back down. And Paolo, look, I mean, he was terrible. I mean, he was just flat out terrible. And nine points, like, two of eight from two. One, yeah, he was three of 12 from the field. He was one, terrible. One of but everybody was bad for Duke. That's what's so crazy. Even when they were up 11, 12, 13, I was like, ugh, like this is just not good. Ohio State's guards 
are bad. They are bad. I just want to know, Paul, and I guess I know like this seems more extended than ever, though. I will say this. Duke, I, I mean, honestly, like if I'm a player, I, I it's probably been the worst two weeks ever. How do they like I know teams will take a week off. They got two weeks off. How are they played on November 30th against Ohio State? Their next game is not until December 14th against South Carolina State. I was sitting here thinking, I said, well, they have, well, wow, we haven't seen Duke play since then. Like they've got to be playing tonight or tomorrow or something. They play a week from today as we're recording this. Um, Two weeks. How does that happen? I don't know. I know that he always tries to get a long break in, not a two week long, but a long break. Virginia usually gets a week for exams. Yeah. Yeah. And isn't that like right now for Duke? I I feel like their exams are two weeks just seems like a lot. Yeah, especially and then coming up, they get South Carolina State, who is 348th in Ken Palm currently (laughs) They're at 99.95 percent winning winning percent uh, percentage to. And then they join and they go South Carolina State, Appalachian State, Cleveland State. And then they uh, somehow once again, then they don't. Yeah, then they open up. um, They open up ACC play. They don't have to open up ACC play until December 8th or December 22nd against Virginia Tech. And December 29th, whereas I sat at NC State Louisville this week. We had Pittsburgh, Virginia. How did Coach K get out of playing an ACC game the first week of December like everyone else has been doing? He just said he didn't want to do it. That's how. It's, it's, it's truly <laughs> unbelievable. It. I mean, what's your, I guess you're, if you're, <laughs> I always say panic level, if you had a one uh, to 10, like, zero. are you, are you zero. zero? You still you don't think like this? No, this is a brought up any flat. unknown flaws that or anything no. like that or. Dude, they didn't make a shot. Well. They didn't make a shot for four and a half minutes. If they make one shot, it literally could have altered the game. One, yeah, one shot. They didn't score for five minutes. That's it. They were exhausted. It was a classic now, letdown. On game. the positive though, because I don't think we I don't even know if we've re- we've recorded since the Gonzaga game. No, we I mean, have not. How, how I, I mean, did you expect that at all? Did you expect them to win that game? No. And let's wait. This is a good transition. Let's talk about how wrong Vegas has been. And I only pulled up like five games, but Vegas has been wrong a lot on some marquee games this year. Duke Gonzaga, they were wrong. Gonzaga was like minus two and a half or minus three. Can't remember. Yeah. Duke OSU. Maybe more. Yeah. Duke OSU, wrong. UNC Michigan, way wrong. Uh, Memphis has been favored in all eight of their games. They have three losses. Like, they're wrong. They, they've been off, man. Now, and that's yeah. only a hand. I want. I, I want to know how much of a hit they've actually taken of like who, uh, well, like how many people are actually betting that because, yeah, part of that element is they're setting lines that make you think like it, maybe that's not the line, but it, it it's yeah, yeah. I should say, I should say wrong in the sense of like just who won the game. Like I don't mean like oh well yeah. I bet against and I actually won. I don't mean that because. Clearly, there's always going to be winners. Definition of a trap line, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I just mean, like, how is Duke only three and a half? And then they lose. Like, how is Gonzaga minus two? And then they lose. So usually they're, like, on the money with yeah, there and, and that's Yeah, there's some pretty crazy – there's some pretty crazy instances of – especially when a team gets up, fifth down, fifth, and it's, like, right on – it's, like, the crazy ones for me is when it's, like, right on, like, nine or ten or eleven, and they thread the needle just perfectly, and it yeah. just – that's yeah. pretty wild. Um, yeah. But you're right. I mean, it, it's been, I think, a lot of the results that we've seen so far in terms of um, marquee matchups and some of these top teams that we've we've been seeing, it, it's kind of, they've been more 
surprising than than anything. I mean, I'm looking last night, even like um, this is kind of crazy. Um, I mean, I they had Ken Palm had um, Iowa beating Illinois 78 76. Illinois wins 87 83. Um, and, and I'm telling you, obviously, we can go up. on and on about like thumbs up in Vegas, the analytics. I know it's still early in the season, but um, there's a lot of these. I mean, North Carolina, Georgia Tech. That was only projected 75-74 on Ken Palm UNC. They won 79 to 62. That's in the past two days. So something's going on. But I do want to talk about, I mean, the Duke and Zaga game was like, I I think everyone would agree, the game of the year thus far. Yeah. Um, but Chet Holmgren, that's who I want to focus on. Cause I think we we talked about Paolo, like, you know, we talked, we always talk about Duke, but um Chet is interesting, man. Like very much so. I'm not, again, uh, this isn't even like remotely close to like a panic button. The dude's going to make $150 million in his career. But he's interesting in the sense that like, you know how Durant, and look, this could be over the course of like 50, you know how Durant's kind of like, I'm not going to say he's like strong, but he's like stronger than you think he is. I don't think Chet has that yet. Like no. where Chet was getting bodied. By like, because because if he tried to guard Mark Williams, Mark Williams was scoring. If he tried to go Paolo, Paolo was scoring. So I think defensively, like he may get bullied in the sense that he's just he literally weighs like as much as you and I do, which is just insane. Um, offensively, I think he's fantastic. He's not shooting the ball well right now. He's not shooting it well from three. He the last game Gonzaga played. Oh, um, who they lose to Alabama? Alabama. Yeah, yeah he went over four from three. I think he only had like 10, 11 points. Like he's not he's not done what some of like the other freshmen have done. Like he hasn't had a Paolo game yet, and Paolo clearly outplayed him in that game. Um, I think I'd be a little worried to draft him at one. Like I think Paolo probably just pro- like he Paolo basically seemed like yo, I'm the dude. Like you can go second or third. There's but definitely more with- upside. I I think like that's the thing. It's you, there's there's more risk potentially. I think you know personally. I I think you know what you're gonna get. Not say what you're going to get with Paolo, but like, I think there's much. There's, it sounds crazy. They're both going to be obviously top two picks. I just think Chet's ceiling is higher than Paolo's potentially because we haven't seen the dominant strut. Like, I mean, one, he's playing with a really good team, obviously, and I mean, Drew Timmy is the one that's putting up the numbers, not even even Chet. And so, it's as always he should, it's though, as he should as a as, as he a should. Senior, no, you're, you're right. It, but it's it's interesting. I I think um, my thing, and this is maybe, and this is, and I had this thought the other day. I'm curious to get your take, and maybe this is me. I don't say be a Duke hater because the guy's an all star. He's max contract player. When I watch Paolo, I think Tobias Harris. That's not a bad comparison. It's not and that dude. That I, be, that's what's so crazy is like everyone always expects these dudes to be. I don't know. I mean, Giannis. Transcendent, like, right? yeah, yeah like, like Giannis. Like, dude, Tobias, Zion, Harris, Giannis, yeah, Tobias like, Harris is an all-star. He makes $25 million a year. He averages 24 points a game. Like, that's he's one of the best players in the NBA, but he's not like one of those like crazy names that everyone's always talking yeah. about and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, no, I, I agree with you. I, I think that's a really good comparison. Yeah, I, I look, I think I look at, I look at, at him and I, I see a lot of Tobias Harris, whereas, like, uh, this sounds bad, and I, I I don't want to slander his name because I actually like Chet a lot. Whereas like Chet, you could go on the high side, obviously like a 
incredible, like Porzingis, Jokic, like you know, Porzingis Bert type, is a good type player. Porzingis is probably the best comp. Uh, I think hopefully you'd hope he'd be even better than that. But like, if he doesn't pan out, if he doesn't develop, and I hate that we're like here in December, like talking about these freshmen that like they're not going to pan out. But yeah. like that floor is, I mean, it's the floor is pretty low. The floor, it's not like JaVale McGee, but it's like no, no, it, it's like one of the just like pick a European, a European skinny player that like didn't pan out. Bar, you know, I even Barnyani. I mean, but it's uh, like it was an ironically number one pick. So it's 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 hard. It's really hard, like. Because especially because Chet, like you watch the NBA guys, like he has been earmarked as like a top two, top three guy, like even before, like for the past couple of years, like everyone's seeing that ahead of time. Yeah, um, it's just I think especially for casual basketball fans too, they're expecting, especially because we've seen like the last few years we had the Zion season where it was like, and ESPN just plugged over and over like Zion watch. I know it's freaking Trey Young had a Trey Young counter on games he wasn't even playing in, like. It was like, oh, how many points does Trey Young have? And we went through it's like, oh my gosh, like, and so for him not to be putting up crazy numbers, I think the casual fans might assume, all right, maybe he's not like this as good as people said he is. I don't think anyone ever said right now he's going to be a 30 and 15 player at Gonzaga. Um, it's just the fact that he, he's not fully developed. He's not as strong as Bill's he needs to be. He gets kind of, I don't say lost out there, but there are times, I mean, he's, you're learning a new system and what was the, I think it's a per transition. The quote I sent you today, Mike Woodson, what the most o- obvious quote of all time. He, he said, um, I was literally uh, brushing well, my teeth and I'm reading this like, yeah, no shit, man. <laughs> so Mike, said, here I'll go. read you. Mike, I'll read you the quote yeah. now. Said, you want to read it? I've got it. I'll say Mike Woodson this is after their game. IU. AAU coaches are going to hate me for saying this. I think that there's so much more that needs to be taught at the college level. They haven't been able to teach all the fundamentals. It's a bad cycle. I think. Okay, Mike Woodson, are you just now because you've been in the NBA the past like twenty years? Are you just now realizing that uh, maybe high school and youth basketball have not prepared all these guys? Uh, okay, but NBA? exactly what you just said. Why didn't he say high school and AAU? Okay, why don't we blame? And again, I've been both high school and AAU, both at the same time. Why don't high school coaches get the blame? They spend double the amount of time. Double the amount of high school coaches practice every single day for two hours for seven months. They should be the lead. Not, not not that this is an excuse. My only point, I think they can get away. The players, they can get away with even more because the level, the, 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 the level of talent they're playing against is, is not going to be as good as what they're seeing on the shoe circuits on in AAU. Like if you're, if I'm, if I'm playing, I mean, now depending on where you go, like obviously if you're playing IMG Montverde, you're playing other good teams. Yes. And that's and and I if think you're in the, maybe, if you're in the top one percent, that's but that's if, a different system. Yeah. But if you're looking at like, I mean, Virginia's top recruit right now is from Poco, West Virginia. Like, I don't know. You, you tell me where that is. You're telling me that he needs to learn. Like, I mean, I'm not saying that he's gonna have a rude awakening learning the pack line, but I can guarantee you they don't. They aren't teaching those defensive fundamentals in Poco, West Virginia. That he's gonna have to learn to be able to play right away when he gets in the ACC. It's yeah. just. But you're 100 right. I mean, it is. It's a. We, we talk about this all the time. It, it's a like soccer. I feel it doesn't have this issue uh, or it's starting to have this issue. A lot of other sports, like even football. And they talk about how to tackle the right way and how to play the game. Like there's no like standard. If there is a standard, it's probably it's gotten far off from where we need to be of teaching basketball from the ground level. Can we talk about the worst people on planet Earth? Um, and these are the people that were at the game, Duke-Ohio State game, wearing oh boy, oh boy. Ohio State football T-shirts 
and Duke basketball hats. And I wanted to end it. I wanted to off myself. I didn't believe those people existed. And when I saw them in the wild, walking around unironically, no shame in their game, just out and about like, this is okay what I'm doing. This is okay. It's not okay. You can't. I mean, I could not believe it. I couldn't believe it. Now, here's here's your one example. Go ahead. Go ahead. Here's your one example. You have a daughter and son that goes to both. That's it. That's all you get. That's all you get. I uh, the only thing I will say to that is it is a it's a good thing that you have basically relinquished your baseball fandom because uh, Paul O'Connor one time being a Patriots and Yankees fan. But I get I literally haven't watched a baseball game, and that's fair. And that's fair. Fifteen years. People you're talking about right now are like devout fans of both. And I mean, shoot, man, I've seen it like growing up, especially in Virginia too. I can't tell you how many UNC basketball fans and no. Virginia Tech football fans. And it's like in the early 2000s, 90s. It's like... That's even like, worse because it's like the same conference. It's like, oh, what are you guys... Well, in the 90s, I guess it wasn't. But like, not, you know what I mean? It's like, dude, what are we doing? No, I mean, it's it's crazy. And and not, I mean, I, I'll rep my two teams are Ohio and Virginia. I didn't think they'd really ever play each other until uh, oh. <laughs> until I had to face... And I, and I, and I, I, pick, I, I picked shows, but... Um, yeah, I mean, I personally, I don't have, I actually don't mind Ohio State basketball that much because I actually, no. I think on the basketball side, like Holtman, I've always Big liked Holtman, Admata. Yeah. Um, I mean, Mark Titus, Greg Oden, shout out Lee Miller, friend of the pot. Like, I, I don't have an issue with Ohio State basketball. It's Ohio State football. Yeah. And that's also part of the reason not to go off on a tangent, but when the reason why I don't feel bad for the Cleveland Browns and the fans most of the times, is because I realize on Saturdays, most of those people are also Ohio State football fans. So, yeah. and okay. on that note, it this, is, uh, it, it's, it, that, that's tough though. That's, that's a tough I, I couldn't believe it. I, but here's the thing though, like, I didn't know that that existed. So when I was, I thought it was like a, like a glitch in the matrix. Like you forgot <laughs> to put something else on. You can't, you can't, this, what do you mean? We're not even remotely close to each other in the country. I mean, these are two complete. It doesn't make any sense. These are like Dallas Cowboy fans and LA. You Lakers said it fans. though. I mean, dude, Duke is a national fan base. It's not a local. I, I and know, it was, there are but... way more. I tell you, every day I see way more UNC and NC State shirts. And I, I work. Yeah. And I live in Durham. I work in downtown Durham. It's a national fan base, and your the the brotherhood has only uh, has has only only sparked that even more. But let's let's t- the last thing on this, and I. The farewell tour has been overblown. Everyone has been ready to complain about it. Everyone in the preseason was like, this is going to be Derek Jeter all over. Dude, Derek Jeter is on ESPN 162 times, and they showed every gift he got. I will never forget it. Every Uh, baseball stadium gave him a gift. They gave some commemorative thing, and it was egregious. What have you seen? Tell me, actually, what have you seen? And now there has been things. Don't get me wrong, but what have you seen? No, I think the uh, the joke I saw recently was like, all right, we had the the sit down interview, the Jay Billis sit down with Coach K. It's like, all right, well, are we gonna have? I guess the question is like, are we gonna have another one of those before UNC? Are we gonna have another one of those before it like the NCAA tournament? Like, I mean, the UNC Duke stuff the week before the game is gonna be that obviously. And this is, I mean, it's all building. I honestly, I personally think that. Part of it, I mean, it hasn't been overblown. I, the, the 
the two times, like I, I think the two times where it was really big, it was, it was just leading up to the Kentucky game. Obviously, it was first game of the season. They're playing Kentucky. And then they played five teams that really were barely even on TV. Like no well, one's yeah. caring about. And I can tell you at Ohio, like whether you're in person or on TV, in person, nothing happened. Nothing. Not even not even when they were announcing Duke. Yeah, they yeah, just yeah. said, and legendary Hall of Fame coach, Michael Krzyzewski. That's all they said. Yeah. At halftime, it was a dog show. There was no like video. Nothing <laughs> happened. And like at halftime, I assume something maybe, but like that's it. So I think it was I, yeah. been overblown. I, it's, I do think I, it's not, uh, and, and I'm sure like later on the season, like obviously Duke's going to do like internally, they're going to do their thing, but it's an ESPN thing. Like ESPN, yeah. it's ESPN is, is, is going to be the ones they're the, they're the ringleaders of the circus. I don't think that they, I think that you're right. It hasn't been as bad. I think that it, still has it the potential to build. And I don't necessarily know if it's his fault or like, or he's like, Hey, don't do it. Like I think ESPN though, still like when they're grasping, when they need the ratings and they want the ratings, they're going to make, can you, can you hear Gus Johnson now in March when they're, when they're in like the first, is this coach K's last tournament game? Find out oh my God. in 10 minutes. <laughs> Jeez. Can you, can you, I mean, I mean dude, that's going to be egregious when we get to Okay. So, uh, people will figure this out when they're listening to it, but we took a break mid podcast to record or uh, a pause in the middle of the podcast. Ian watched Virginia. I decorated my tree. We're back. Uh, Ian, go for it. The floor is yours, my friend. I watched zero <laughs> minutes. I watched zero minutes of the game. So it's Virginia James Madison. For those that don't know, my hometown team versus the team that I grew up as like my team. I, I still cheer that my heart. It's Ohio, Virginia, JMU. Sure. JMU is 0 and 11 all time against Virginia. Tony Bennett being the great man that he is that believes that teams should travel in state and play other teams. Granted a blessing of going to JMU and playing them in their brand new arena, which was supposed to be. To be fair, Paul, this is the other thing, too. Don't ever doubt how great of a man Tony Bennett is. This game was supposed to be last year, and it was supposed to christen the new arena. Tony said, that's okay. You guys don't have any fans. We'll bump it to next year so you guys can have fans. He's a good dude. He is a, a, a humble he should, he took, he should took a the humble and servant left. that sticks to his five pillars. Um, unfortunately, Virginia ended up on the on the wrong side of that. Um, shooting four of 26 from three being out rebounded. I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Kihei hit three of those four threes. So the rest of the team was one of like 21 or something like that. Um, and, uh, yeah, they lost, they lost points in the paint. They lost bench points. They had four bench points. Um, not a, not a fun scene, but, um, good for the Dukes. Good for uh, the program. It's a shame that they, I mean, they're like, I think they're 10 and two or not eight and two, whatever they are. And it's a shame that CAA won't play, let them play in the CAA tournament because um, they've got a good team. They've got an awesome fan base. That place was packed. There's like 8,500 people there, every seat full, entire student section. They rushed the court. It's all purple. Couldn't see any of the floor after. So awesome part of college basketball. It sucks. Virginia had to be on the losing end. But um, like I just told my wife, at least Virginia won a national championship a couple of years ago, or else I probably wouldn't come out of a hole for the next couple of days. So I can at least sit back and look at my beautiful mural of um, what's this year, uh, the arena or the stadium in, in Minneapolis um, and, and remember the good times. 
remember the good times. Um, all right, we're not going to harp on it. You know what I mean? We're just going to no, keep it not, moving. All, last thing I'll say is like, I mean, the team, like they're not, they, they can't shoot. Virginia is not a good shooting team. No. They play good defense um, occasionally uh, for the most part, but teams like the way they play, if teams get hot, it, it is what it is. Like if teams get hot and they hit shots, like, I mean, it's, it's not completely out of the realm. Now Virginia gets 11 days off. And then they get fairly Dickinson before they go fully jump into ACC play. Um, but while we're on it, I'm curious what your thoughts are. I mean, there's not a lot of good basketball being played in the ACC. Oh, before and now we are now technically we are in conference play. And to be fair, Virginia is tied for first in the ACC. I just want to say that one and zero after squeaking out a, a win over Pittsburgh Friday night, down four with 20 seconds left. Um, but. If you had to put a number on it today, how many teams did the ACC get in, in the NCAA tournament? Five, and I'm not super confident in five. That's number one. Number two, actually, I have three things. Number one, five. Five's my number. Um, number two, should we pause on the ACC Big Ten Challenge? Does this just seem boring? <laughs> does it, it does. seem boring? It does. Because, dude, uh, when I was growing up, I mean, it, so it started in 2000. Or 99, one of those years. Yep. When I was growing up, and this, and look, like it was the first time this had ever been done. So obviously it was new. There were no conference challenges like this. Um, and it was awesome. I mean, you had teams that never played each other unless it was the tournament. Um, and there was like novelty to it. That has since worn off. Um, and this year of all the years, even though Duke lost and it was like this cool thing, like, it ju- I felt like it came and went, and I don't even like the Big Ten had to have won it. I think they they had. To oh yeah, they they steamed. Um, it, like it wasn't even close. I think. But yeah, but again, like, I mean, it's boring. It really is, and I don't know if part of this is due to like now we've got events like the Champions Classic, and you've got more events that are similar to Maui, and you get more of those marquee matchups early. Um, I I don't know if I mean. Honestly, like, I know you can't, like, they, they do plan it in the summer, so it's not like the, it's locked in multiple years before, but, like, I really, I, and I don't know if maybe c- guys like Kay have sway in this. I mean, I'm sure they do, but, I mean, I think what we all wish we, I rather than Duke-Ohio State, I probably would have rather seen, uh, like, Duke-Purdue or even Duke-Michigan. Like, Duke-Michigan know, for Coach hard, K though. is like, like, it is hard. I, and, and Michigan, North Carolina. But if you know that, like, I probably would have rather had Duke, Michigan, just because of the history there. Like, yeah. I and um and and built like it's an ESPN event. Like all of it's ESPN. And so I was kind of surprised um, to a degree. I'm kind of surprised. Um, but I I don't know. I mean, it's it just it is. It's gotten kind of stale. I'm looking at the last. So it started in '99. '99. I'm looking at it. So the ACC pretty, dominated for like won 12 every, years. They, they won the first 10 years. They won all the way till 2008. And then the Big Ten won in 2009. Um, and then they won 2009, 10, and 11. They tied in 12 and 13. The Big Ten won in 14 and 15. So then the Big Ten went on a nice little run there. ACC won in 16, 17, tie in 18. And then the Big Ten now has won three in uh, a row, three right? Straight. Yeah, three in yeah, a row. Yeah, dude. Um, so, I mean... <laughs> It, it's it's weird. The other thing too, like I mean, I don't know how I forgot this. I said Duke, Michigan. What everyone really wanted to see was Duke, Maryland. Like honestly, like that. Yeah, I know. But and, and I dude, know, like he won't do it. it. He won't. And and it's it, I think it's it's just gotten stale. I mean, 
the top once, even though the Big Ten's a great conference, I mean, you're not going to have any sexy matchups when you're like talking Nebraska and Northwestern and Penn State and Rutgers. Like, it, oh. it, sorry, it's just, it's just even Iowa, like Virginia, Iowa is not like a, a and nobody wants there. to see them play Miami, Florida State, Syracuse. It, they just don't care. No, like really the doesn't. top five is very cool in both conferences. That's very cool, but it's it kind of sucks for everyone else. It's like I don't know. Yeah, I mean, look, it's weird. It's like I mean, there were some good games. I mean, it, Syracuse, Indiana were. was a great was double a, overtime game. It was awesome, awesome game. I think people thought or hoped that Florida State Purdue was going to be a great game until Purdue just steamrolled them, like yep. absolutely. And now. Um, you know what's I scary think- about Purdue? I watched that whole game. What's scary about Purdue is Florida State was scoring. Like they they were scoring the basketball in, in a variety of ways. They were making yep. threes, making shots, but they couldn't stop Purdue at all. Yep. And it, w- it wasn't like it had this feeling where you would look at the score and be like Purdue's up 12, and it felt like Purdue was up four or five. And then it would be like Purdue's up 15 and you were like, no way. Like they're only up seven or eight. Cause Florida state wasn't playing that bad. You yeah. know what I mean? And no, so right. dude, yeah. Purdue is the real deal. I had no idea. They had never been ranked number one um, yeah. ever in school history. Cause it, don't you feel like painter had that at some point in the last decade, you especially with like Carson like Edwards. Etwan, I, well, maybe the Carson Edwards, like Etwan Moore, Robbie Hummel, like those yeah, teams, yeah. like, yeah. But I don't know. I mean, that it's it's kind of weird. Like, I guess it may. It, it, I I would think I wouldn't be surprised. Like, if they had gotten there. I mean, you think of like Wake Forest was number one in the country in the last like decade. Like, you think it, it's kind of surprising the teams that have gotten that spot. Yeah. Um, yeah. But it, I mean, Purdue's so deep, man. Purdue Very is deep. so deep, and they run. And one, I don't know. Like, once again, if you're a casual college basketball fan, you're just kind of watching. If you you're not necessarily paying that much attention to all the intricacies to that offense and all the different actions and the different, it's insane and it really is. No, dude, um, they yeah they they have the best offense in the country. It's not even close. They run yeah. so much shit. It's wild. Um, but last hey, thing, I, last thing I do want to bring up though, in terms of big, and I think honestly, the, part of it, the ACC just not being as good this year definitely yeah. hurts. But if you look at last year and just even 2020. The matchups, all the like ranked teams on each side were basically it was like pretty much all ranked matchups. UNC was 16 and they played Iowa, who was third. Um, Duke was 10, they played Illinois, who was six. Uh, you've got Florida, uh, Florida State, Indiana. It was again, it went to overtime. Like it was supposed to be Michigan State, Virginia last year and got canceled um, because of COVID. Then you had Louisville and Wisconsin. They were 23rd and 12. So like last year, you had basically five matchups between ranked teams. This year, you really like the like the best matchups you thought were going to be Duke Ohio State, which turned out to be a fun, enjoyable game. But then, like Purdue Florida State blowout, North Carolina blew out Michigan. The opposite that was way. crazy. No, I don't think anybody um, saw that coming. Michigan may have some problems. They really might. Um, and it's interesting. And so, I, I I don't know. I mean, part of it like the AC is just down. I think they'll get back, but it, it's it's um I don't know. It, it, it just there's there wasn't buzz there just there wasn't the buzz no um i can't believe we went this long in the podcast without bringing it up but maryland i knew it i knew it has I, finally I it. done it you know they finally get rid of turgeon um 
I mean, are we? Uh, it's weird timing. I will say it's it like is weird why, timing. you're going to wait a decade and then fire him eight games in. Like, what do you just get hold through on. the year? Hold on, hold on. I, 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 I've never been more validated, um, or never felt more validated with what we talk about on this podcast than what I just brought up, or what I just pulled up. I just searched Mark Turgeon in Google. Top story. You get your news stories. The number one story, article by the Washington Post titled. Was Mark was Mark Turgeon's Maryland tenure doomed by unrealistic expectations? That's the title of the article. How many? We are ninety-two episodes in, and I think probably at least forty of them we've talked about unrealistic expectations, and we've also specifically talked about Maryland. Now, Maryland this, only wants. I think in this Maryland has I too much juice. I mean, that like it's they, the opposite. I they think Maryland is a top 15 job. Yes. I think Maryland should be in the sweet 16 at least every three to four years. hundred percent. hundred percent. They have, and that's the thing. It's like, they, I saw this, that um, I think it was Seth Davis, who I only agree with a lot. I, I only agree with a lot of stuff. Seth Davis writes on the athletic, but he, he basically was saying the same thing is like that Gary Williams. If you look at Gary, what the last like part of Gary Williams career wasn't that great compared to Turgeon. And I said, yeah, Gary Williams won a national championship and Gary There's Williams is revered by those fans. Like this guy is literally his nickname is mediocre Mark. And if you, I mean, we've gone through this and the teams like they've had talent. You are in there. There's never been, I mean, in at least in my lifetime, this is that a, a more populated area of DC of talent that you can recruit from. They don't get any to math. The kids, they get some, like they, the, some of the guys they get, they don't pan out. Um, they don't like they have all Kevin Plank will literally write you a blank check for anything and everything you want. Uh, you've got the power of Under Armour. Um, and it's just no, like it, there's no re in my mind. And like, I actually I grew up in the Maryland ACC glory days. I mean, I've started loving college basketball right around the time they they won in, in 02. But so I, I saw the power of how good they could be. But even after that, the teams that like with Gravis Vasquez and you look at some of these other like they've all, they they should always be a a top team. Just like we said, Louisville is all I think in a top ten job no matter what. I think Maryland's like a tier behind that, but like they're always should be in that level. I didn't realize. I mean, we're, this is just it's so crazy when we talk just like the concept of time. Like if you told me the year that Gary Williams stopped coaching in Maryland, I would have said like oh uh, five. This dude stopped at in two thousand eleven. Like that just doesn't seem that long Tony ago. Bennett ended his career. Uh, yeah, but he, uh, but, he, but it, I mean, it wasn't yeah. all that bad in the end. Like he was uh, like obviously, like you said, won it in two thousand two, then went to the Sweet Sixteen, then the second round, then it got a little bad. So NIT, NIT, then the NCAA second round, won twenty five games in 06, 07. That, that was, was Gravis. That was yeah. Gravis's like freshman year, I believe, because yeah. that was Singletary. Singletary was a junior, and he and the two of them would always Tied, be chirping back and forth. Tied for third in the ACC, 10 and six in the ACC. Great. Uh, or when did they go? Yeah, they were still AC. Yeah, they didn't move to the Big Ten yeah. until later. Um, Big Ten came in 14 uh, 15. Yeah. Then 07 08, bad, NIT. And then he basically finished his career with two second round exits 21 yeah. wins, 24 wins. In two in the year before he gets fired, he won the ACC. He was 13 and three, 24 and nine. Now, look, you got bounced in the second round of the tournament. Like, that sucks. But 
Look what, like, dude, we talk about this all the time. Al Skinner at Boston College, Gary Williams at Maryland. Like, okay, you re- like, it's not always greener. It's not always and, greener. No, you're right. And the one thing I will say, it's interesting that's because you look, I'm, I'm looking at Mark Turgeon's record. I mean, he was at Wichita State from 2000, 2007, and he made one NCAA tournament and they went to the Sweet 16. So he won there, and that was his second to last year. His last year there, they went 17 and 14 and didn't even play in the postseason before he took the Texas A&M job. At Wait, A&M, you talking about? Mark Turgeon. I'm talking about Mark Turgeon now. Sorry. Oh, I thought you said Gary Williams. Like, now Gary Williams, no. Um, Texas A&M, he goes there for four years, 25 wins, 24 wins, 24 wins, 24 wins, and still, but never a Sweet 16. First round, three second round losses and a first round loss. He goes to Maryland, and like you said, I mean, it wasn't pretty. Like, he did have to clean up, I don't say clean up a mess that Gary Williams left. His first three years there, he went 17 and 15, 25 and 13, and they went to the NIT semis in 17 and 15 before moving to the Big Ten. But then, if you look at once again, he went second round, made a sweet 16 and 15 16, and then they went first round loss, didn't make the tournament, second round, no tournament in 2020 second round last year and the same way that i think you talk about teams i think that over like you look at syracuse the past few years where they've had like their final four and what year that 14 15 that yeah, and they were on the bubble that, that like they barely all these teams they barely made it end didn't deserve and they've made these long runs yeah it's like where you have teams like that that almost overachieve in the postseason um or you have teams like this that are consistently underachieving when we're we live in like such a results driven society that I mean, that sounds awful. I mean, and I'm sorry that like it, it is like if, if you don't reach a final four, if you don't like it, doesn't matter. Uh, and people get tired of it. I do think, I mean, I think it was probably after 10 years, probably time for a change. Like, even well, here we always say he didn't do a bad job. Like, at some point, like he listen, he got a very fair shake. So, we always say, like, how are you going to fire this dude after four years? That's ridiculous. Maryland gave him a decade. Look, and, and I, I think it makes sense that he got fired. We never cheer on a firing, but it, it was time. But again, with what we said in the beginning is weird timing. Why don't you just go to 11 years? Like, yeah. what are we doing? Now you're yeah. just you. I think what, one of the rumors was that, that he couldn't take the fan base anymore. Honestly, it was just like. I'm well, not, it was like, weird I'm, because it said it was mutual. Yeah, because I think they were like, we're going to fire at the end of the season. He's like, well, I don't even want to put up with I'm all these set. fans for the rest of the season, which I mean, honestly, it's it's kind of a, have Danny Manning there that like, look, like Danny Manning's probably can take over. He can be a mature head coach that can like kind of guide these guys, hopefully through the rest of the season. But you don't see like you rarely see like everyone. I remember when um, uh, JMU a couple of years ago was going through and everyone wanted the coach fired with like a week or two left. And like, what good does you never see that ever happen? Like you're like play out the shoe. It's not doing any good to shake it up unless um, there's really, really something wrong. Um, it happened with Jim Christian at BC last year. I mean, it was kind of surprising. They did. Um, they did it. So yeah, early. he was you the first one, wasn't you it? Just don't, you just don't see it happen. Like in as much in college basketball, like even in college football, I mean, Virginia tech just fired Justin Fuente with $10 million left on his buyout that if they waited two more weeks, now I get, they probably had negotiations. They wait two more weeks at the end of the year. They only owe him two and a half. They owe him two and a half million less. And dude, look at my, we don't see that. Look at Miami. Miami football was hiring a coach and they still had one. It was unbelievable. What? Um, It it, it really is unbelievable. But I mean, and that's the thing. It's shake it up. I, 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 for Turgeon, I mean, I guess my last questions on this for you then, 
one, if you're Turgeon, where, where, or if, where do you think Turgeon ends up? Where do you go from here? And two, who does Maryland target? You know, Maryland, the, the short, there was like Nate Oates was thrown out there. Ed Cooley was thrown out there. Um, Ed would be awesome. But. Yeah. I mean, look, you got to get an East Coast guy. You got to stack your assistant coaches with, you need a dude from uh, New England uh, that can recruit all the prep schools. You need a dude from DMV that can recruit all the high schools. And then you need a, just a dude, like maybe you go get a national guy or you want to go South. You want to do Atlanta, the Carolinas. Whoever it is has to like step one, you have to stop letting Michigan poach all the guys out of your backyard. Like you really, you really do like, because they're getting all these kids, all these DC kids, obviously Hunter Dickinson, all those things. The ones that's really interesting. It's ironic. I pulled this article up and they asked Gary Williams about, um, and who he thought, one, he said, you can go old school. You can go young assistant, but you have to be careful. You look at this. I don't think you do that with Maryland. Do you want you, if you go old, you, I don't think John B lines a fit there. I don't, nah. I don't, I, I don't, I don't love that. Um, even though I can see him do well, I mean, honestly, it might be a, just a transition point. Rick Patino's out there. Oh. <laughs> Rick Patino's killing it at Iona. Um, but like, honestly, if you look at it, like there's, in terms of a young guy with DC, I mean, I, I don't know. It's, it's, it's a weird spot. Um, does listen, man, that I know that I, before I even say it, I know this isn't happening, but could a preemptive move, could Mr. Patrick Ewing leave and go to Maryland? I know it's not happening. It won't. They're they're unhappy. The dude just won the big East. It sounds bad, but if you're Maryland, I think you can do better. No, no, not at Patrick. Maybe you know, like I think that um I don't I don't think you need that. Like I honestly, if I'm Maryland, maybe like Kevin Willard. Yes, um, yeah, I saw him got thrown out there too. Like I was like Kim English, we talked him up in the last episode and we and sh- sorry, Jacob, we kind of jinxed them. I think they lost three in a row out in South Dakota as soon as we we hyped them up. Uh, but obviously like Kim English, I think it was a little, maybe too early, even though they just knocked him off. Um the other couple that brought up Sean Miller. Yeah. Um, Cooley, Nate Oates, Mark Schmidt at St. Bonaventure. I don't think is ever going to leave at this point. Um, I mean, Bruce Pearl. I don't think Bruce Pearl uh, gets the job. But don't like, love that. No. And then the last one listed, I don't think he would do this. But um, uh, Mike Jones, that's the associate oh. head coach at Virginia Tech. Yeah. Um, that he was the former coach at DeMatha. That's one where it's like, all right, that's a guy that, like that turns heads that it's like, we're, we're serious about keeping the DMV talent here. Yep. It's really early. It'll be interesting. I don't think any, I don't think any better jobs will open at the end. No, of dude, that's um, no, absolutely not. Maryland. I'd absolutely be very not. surprised if anything better opened up. Um, all right, let's wrap it up with Penny Hardaway. Um, <laughs> Penny comes out. First of all, Memphis is five and three. They dropped out of the top 25. Um, struggling and with two of don't quote me i mean top 10 i mean i know imani is but it was jalen yeah, duran yeah top yeah. 10 all right so two top 10 five-star recruits um coming obviously freshmen and a decent returning squad like obviously that's you know they were supposed to be pretty good this year um he comes out and basically says i i'm not i'm not i don't think he threw his guys under the bus because first of all i didn't name any names um and then uh, uh, 
He did name names. He, he did didn't name, name names. names, but I mean, it's you pre- can it's guess, and to, you, it's pretty you, easy. You can do. It's to, easy to, to figure to out. Cipher who that is. There's three guys that aren't freshmen in the starting lineup. You, you can, can figure it out, yeah. but he, uh, but I'm not ready to say he absolutely threw his guys under the bus. I think that's a different message that we would have heard. Comes out and basically says, "Hey, our our older guys are not." you know, accommodating and like kind of taking the younger guys under their wing and the locker room is kind of fractured right now, which is the job of the head coach. Um, and he That's has now, that was the one thing I was going to say is like that. I feel like you nip that in the bud in the preseason you, that you, I don't think you let that get to this point. Yeah. And, and I think he said, if I remember reading the article correctly, like you can get by with, with shit, with your team playing bad teams. You can get by yeah. as soon as you play a team that's even halfway decent. And if they're like, they're like tight, you're going to fall apart. That's how it goes. Um, what do you think? What do you think about I mean, team? My- because, because sometimes we give coaches shit for saying this. No, and sometimes actually- it's refreshing. No, you're right. I, I thought I honestly I was surprised he said it. I was like, it was like, was, did he know this was on the record? And that it was that type of a comment of like, those are type of things that are you definitely like that is said behind closed doors a hundred percent all the time like in majority of programs probably like no this guy and this this guy's a problem that guy's a problem oh i can't wait to get this guy out like that said like and and penny it's weird it's it's part of it i want to say it's like a mess that he created but at the same time like if i'm those guys like if I'm Landers Nolly, and I'm sorry, I'll, I'll name names. If I'm Lester Kinone, so I'm Landers Nolly. Like, Landers Nolly transferred from Virginia Tech. Like, do you real like, you are not the guy anymore. Like, you got to kind of put your ego to the side. And, th- like, and it's one thing, I, and you don't know the other side. Like, if 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 these guys, if Jalen Duran's coming in, if Monty Bates coming in, like, I'm the guy, give me the ball every time, and they're being assholes about it, it's one thing. But also, it's, it's another penny. thing if they're – Penny's got to figure it out. And then that's it. But, and and so it's interesting because Larry, Larry Brown's on that staff. I know. I forget that. With all all he goes, Rashid Wallace is on that staff. Mm -hmm. Like you've built like, and honestly, like, I don't, it's not, I don't, it's not from an inexperience. Not like, I don't know what it is. I mean, it it has to be bad enough though, that he is willing to to say that because if it was just like, Hey, they're dealing with a little bit of strife internally, but I feel like, I don't know if it's overinflated egos because the thing is Lester Canones, all all these guys are before, like, what did you win on your own? Nothing like they, I mean, they want the NIT, like you've got, yeah, congratulations. Is that your end goal? Like you won the NIT, but like at the end of the day, you want to be better. So like, all right, it's not like you're at it. Like you're they're coming off a national championship team. Have hey, been there, done that. Like you, you know, you learn your role. Like whatever it is. Like these are all guys. Like no, dude, you're not. Like you're we put another two, new team together. You know, like you didn't you're, do anything on your own before them. You brought in this influx of talent. Be a teammate. Like yeah. it's it's crazy. It's, it seems like a so it shouldn't be a foreign concept. And I'm almost like no. lost for words. Because yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, this this is happening all over the country. There are teams oh, yeah. with good upperclassmen bringing in five star freshmen. This you know what I mean. You're not on your own. Um, I mean, we're, it's literally. I mean, it's transfer. Like, I mean, literally, Lander's not like. And then most of these, you like wait till the end of the season. And these, oh, this guy's leaving. Oh, this guy's leaving. Like, what, what was the the Housers? Like, both yeah. transfer from Marquette because they're like, I don't want to play with Marcus Howard anymore. 
And I mean, look, I mean, Landers Nolly, I started keep picking on him. I mean, he he dipped on Virginia Tech after a year, like immediately. Doesn't seem like he it's seem it seems like this is an issue of guys blaming wanting to place the blame anywhere else but themselves. And or not it was not really, hey, I am not maybe what I thought out to be and and having to but it it they have so much talent. Like so the last much episode talent. we talked about, we're like, I can't wait to watch Memphis, Virginia Tech. I can't wait to watch some of these games that they have coming up. And well, here here's what's scary, bro. When you look at their schedule, so they're five and three. They have Murray State this Friday. Uh, you know, not going to be easy. Then they have Alabama and then <laughs> Tennessee. So yeah, let's Tennessee say they game. get and that Tennessee game. Penny, you know, Penny does not want to lose to Rick Barnes. No. And let's say they get Murray State. They're six and three. I don't think they beat Bama and I don't think they beat Tennessee. No. So it's like. And then, I mean, and then you've got like, they are right now. And then you're still the it. highest ranked team in the AAC, according to Kim Palm. Like Kim Palm has them winning. Oh, oh, sorry, outside of Houston. They have win after the Tennessee game. They have them projected to win every single one of the rest of their games throughout the season, except for the two Houston games. Um, and and so, that could be the case. Like, we could be talking in a month where it's like, they figured it out, you know, and the Penny one at thing work. I'll point out, and this is like, it stands out, it is, I mean, the colors on Ken Palm right now are bright green and red like a Christmas tree, but it is, they are 352nd in the country in turnover percentage. And poor, poor, they turn over the ball 25.5% of the time. So they're one of the five worst teams in the country. They also play at the sixth fastest tempo of any team in the country. So they are just out and running and messy and sloppy and all over the place. Now, the crazy thing is they have the 16th best defense, um, 11th best effective field goal percentage, second best block percentage, like the defensive size there, which I think normally you'd worry about that, especially with a bunch of young guys that, um, you're fitting into a system. Um, they're really, they're, they're great. They're fourth best at getting to the line. Um, they're 11th best in offensive rebounding percentage, but it's like the turnovers are just so, so, so bad. Yeah. And I mean, you're losing like they're to be fair, like they lost to, they beat Virginia tech, which is a good win for them. Um, and I mean, Western Kentucky, St. Louis, fine. They blew out St. Louis, but like Iowa state's the one I think it was surprising because they got blown out. Georgia, that's a one possession game. Ole Miss, they lost by four. Like you cut down the turnovers and you're fine. And probably this is all an overreaction. But I mean, geez, man, like it it has to be really, really bad. It has to be bad in that locker room. That vocal. Yeah. Really bad. Um, all right. Actually, let's end on this. Just a quick shout out to the Delaware Blue Hens. Seven and three, yep. winners of three in a row. They got Lafayette tomorrow night. Um, they're really, really good, man. I know we talk about them for an obvious reason, but, um, four guys averaging double figures, Ryan Allen's playing really well. So was Dylan painter. You know, Jameer Nelson's, uh, kid is the point guard. Oh, is he really? Yeah. I love averaging 12 points a game playing really well. So blue hens good. Let's, uh, you know, we'll skip Georgetown this episode. (laughs) Give them a couple more opportunities (laughs) to get some wins. Hopefully we can talk about them next episode, but the countdown to a hundred, we're almost there, man. We may get it before the, uh, We'll probably get it in the next year. I'll give one more shout out. And it's obviously there is probably, if you had to guess, the most surprising undefeated team in the country. There's not a lot of them left, but this team is 7-0. and Not saying they've played a gauntlet of a schedule. And they're probably not. We probably only have one day left to say this. Oh, shit. Who is it? The Gophers of Minnesota. Oh, that's right. First year coach, that. Ben Johnson. They seven are 7-0. and 
Yep. Um, they beat Mississippi State. True road game, I believe. On the, yeah, at Mississippi State um, on Weird. Sunday. Now they have to play. Uh, now they got to go. Um, Michigan State. Get Michigan State at home tomorrow, and then at Michigan on Saturday um, as Big Ten play starts. But first year, Ben Johnson. Um, they did not. They don't have the 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 the, the toughest strength of schedule. Um, but you beat, you beat who's in front of you. Number beat two, three point. Number two, three point defense in the entire country. So those guys, at least, they're sitting down and guarding. And wow. um, shout out to the the Gophers. All right, man. Well, that's that's a wrap on it. What do we got 92. coming up We're, this week? I mean, we've got like we've some random conference play. We get some yeah. decent games. Random um, stuff. It's kind of a weird like, dude, like you said, I mean, Duke doesn't even play for two weeks. It's kind of a this is kind of that little lull before we get to uh, any good like Christmas games before non-conference play and then, or before conference play. And then Villanova we're into Syracuse it, man. just tipped Villanova Syracuse just tipped off. So we'll, oh, there it uh, is. That. That's get, the game yeah, tomorrow, of the night. You're right. We get UConn, West Virginia. We get Indiana, Wisconsin, um, and uh, let's see that. That's what I'm saying. And then Texas Seton Hall, Iowa, Iowa State, Purdue, Rutgers, um, and then let, let's see Saturday. And we're just running through. It's not not the that 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 was Saturday, I believe. So uh, oh, and we get oh, this, here we go, Paul. Twelve eleven. So what day is the eleventh? We're on the seventh right now. So Monday. No, that would be Saturday, I guess. Maybe we get Houston, Alabama. Ooh, all um, right. Which six, four and nine, Arizona and Illinois. We get okay. Kentucky, Notre Dame. Um, we get Wisconsin, Ohio State. We get UCLA, Marquette. Damn. Like, we, we got, and we got uh, some basketball and honestly, to watch. And then the funny one we get, we get Syracuse, Georgetown. Um, I always go to we, that and, game. And then uh, we, and then lastly, this is fun. The, the fighting Will Wade and Josh Pastner matchup of LSU, Georgia Tech. Two just absolute characters. That's the game I want to watch. Why is that? Yeah, that's a weird one. Oh, man. LSU, Georgia Tech. All right. Uh, we, we, have some, uh, we, we have some scheduling issues with some guests, but we got some guests coming up on the pod, too. Um, so we'll catch you at some point, probably next week, maybe Sunday. The Patriots, we took care of business. We don't put we got a buy now, so we're good. So I can record any Sunday. But oh, uh, time out. I will be remiss. The best uh, just to, for everyone who listens, the most underrated college basketball rivalry on the as well. Crosstown shootout, Cincinnati. Oh Saturday, yeah. Eight thirty PM. To when is it? Saturday? Yep, uh, the eleventh. So yeah. Yeah, that'd yeah, be, yeah. That'd be Saturday, correct? Damn. Yeah, Saturday, eight thirty PM. Um no, Saturday is a great day. Saturday is a great day of college basketball. All right. Got but some games on. Until All then. right. Until then, keep the ball bouncing. Lately, I've been feeling like this is what I've been working towards. If you ain't trying to be the boss, then tell me what you're working for. Certain doors are closed, but now they opening up. Celebrating with some shots, maybe poke on a cup. Pulls, lust, rust, souls up next, and I got this. Crazy like Britney and the love so toxic. Got a wall up, I'm trying to infiltrate a conscious. Taking 12 shots like where the cops is. Come on.